Section 74 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed for Murder, the Highway, Housebreaking, Street Robberies, Coining, or Other Offenses, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed, Volume 1, edited by Arthur L. Hayward. The Life of Joseph Ward, a Footpad. There are some persons who are unhappy, even from their cradles, and though every man is said to be born to a mixture of good and evil fortune, yet these seem to reap nothing from their birth but an entry into woe and a passage to misery. This unhappy man we are now speaking of, Joseph Ward, is a strong instance of this, for being the son of travelling people, he scarce knew either the persons to whom he owed his birth, or the place where he was born. However, they found a way to instruct him well enough to read, and that so well that it was afterwards of great use to him, in the most miserable state of his life. He rambled about with his father and mother until the age of fourteen. When they dying, he was left to the wide world with nothing to provide for himself but his wits so that he was almost under necessity of going into a gang of gypsies that passed by that part of the country where he was. These gypsies taught him all the arts of their living, and it happened that the crew he got into were not of the worst sort either, for they maintained themselves, rather by the credulity of country folks, than by the ordinary practices of those sort of people, stealing of poultry and robbing hedges of what linen people are careless enough to leave there. I shall have another and more proper occasion to give my readers the history of this sort of people, who were anciently formidable enough to deserve an especial act of Parliament, altered and amended in several reigns, for banishing them from the kingdom. Footnote. This was the statute of 1530, 22 Henry VIII, C. 10, directed against, quote, outlandish people calling themselves Egyptians, unquote. It was amended 1 and 2 Philip and Mary, C. 4, and five Elizabeth C. 10, and sundry other legislation was of a similar tenor. End of footnote. But to go on with the story of Ward. Disliking this employment, he took occasion, when they came into Buckinghamshire, to leave them at a common by Gerard's Cross and come up to London. When he came up here, he was still in the same state, not knowing what to do to get bread. At last he bethought himself of the sea, and prevailed on a captain to take with him a pretty long voyage. He behaved himself so well in his passage that his master took him with him again, and used him very kindly. But he dying, Ward was again put to his shifts, though on his arrival in England he brought with him near thirty guineas to London. He took up lodgings near the Iron Gate at St. Catharines, and taking a walk one evening on Tower Wharf, he there met with a young woman, who after much shyness suffered him to talk to her. They met there a second and a third time. She said she was niece to a pewterer, of considerable circumstances not far from Tower Hill, who had promised and was able to give her five hundred pounds, but the fear of disobliging him by marriage hindered her from thinking of becoming a wife without his approbation of her spouse. These difficulties made poor Ward imagine that if he could once persuade the woman to marriage, he should soon mollify the heart of her relation, and so become happy at once. With a great deal to do, Madame was prevailed upon to consent, and going to the fleet they were married, and soon returned to St. Catharines, to new lodgings which Ward had taken, where he proposed to continue a day or two and then wait upon the uncle. Never man was in his own opinion more happy than Joseph Ward and his new wife, 
but alas all human happiness is fleeting and uncertain especially when it depends in any degree upon a woman the very next morning after their wedding madame prevailed on him to slip on an old coat and take a walk by the house which she had shown him for her uncle's he was no sooner out of doors but she gave the sign to some of her accomplices who in a quarter of an hour's time helped her to strip the lodgings not only of all which belonged to ward but of some things of value that belonged to the people of the house they were scarce out of doors before ward returned who finding his wife gone and the room stripped set up such an outcry as alarmed all the people in the house instead of being concerned at joseph's loss they clamoured at their own and told him in so many words that if he did not find the woman or make them reparation for their goods they would send him to newgate but alas it was neither in ward's power to do one nor the other upon which the people were as good as their word for they sent for a constable and had him before a justice there the whole act appearing the judge discharged him and told them they must take up their remedy against him at the common law upon this ward took the advantage and made off but taking to drinking to drive away the sorrows that encompassed him he at last fell into ill company and by them was prevailed on to join in doing evil actions to get money he had been but a short time at this trade before he committed the fact for which he died islington was the road where he generally took a purse and therefore endeavoured to make himself perfectly acquainted with the many ways that led to that small town which he effected so well that he escaped several times from the strictest pursuits at last it came into his head that the safest way would be to rob women which accordingly he put into practice and committed abundance of thefts that way for the space of six weeks particularly on one mrs jane vickery of a gold ring value twenty shillings and soon after of mrs elizabeth barker of a gold ring set with garnets being apprehended for these two facts he was committed to new prison where either refusing or not being able to make discoveries he remained in custody till the sessions at the old bailey there the persons swearing positively to his face he was after a trivial defence convicted and received sentence of death accordingly as he had no relations that he knew of nor so much as one friend in the world the thoughts of a pardon never distracted his mind a moment he applied himself from the day of his sentence to a new preparation for death and having in the midst of all his troubles accustomed himself to reading he was of great use to his unhappy companions in reading the scripture and assisting them in their private devotions he made a just use of that space which the mercy of the english law allows to persons who are to suffer death for their crimes to make peace with their creator there was but one person who visited this offender while under the sentence of the law and he thinking that the only method by which he could do him service was to save his life proposed to him a very probable method of escaping which for reasons not hard to be guessed at i shall forbear describing he pressed him so often and made the practicability of the thing so plain that the criminal at last condescended to make the experiment and his friend promised the next day to bring him the materials for his escape that night ward who began then to be weak in his limbs with the sickness which had laid upon him ever since he had been in the prison fell into a deep sleep a comfort he had not felt since the coming on of his misfortunes in this space he dreamt that he was in a very barren sandy place which was bounded before him by a large deep river which in the middle of the plain parted itself into two streams that after having run a considerable space united again having formed an island within the branches 
on the other side of the main river there appeared one of the most beautiful countries that could be thought of covered with trees full of ripe fruit and adorned with flowers on the other side in the island which was enclosed having a large arm of water running behind it and another smaller before the soil appeared sandy and barren like that whereon he stood while he was musing at this sight he beheld a person of grave and venerable aspect in garb and appearance like a shepherd who asked him twice or thrice if he knew the meaning of what he there saw to which he answered no well then says the stranger i will inform you this sight which you see is just your present case you have nothing to resolve with yourself but whether you will prepare by swimming across this river immediately forever to possess that beautiful country that lies before you or by attempting the passage over the narrow board which crosses the first arm of the river and leads into the island where you will be again amidst briars and thorns and must at last pass that deep water before you can enter the pleasant country you behold on the other side this vision made so strong an impression on the poor man's spirits that when his friend came he refused absolutely to make his escape but suffered with great marks of calmness and true repentance at tyburn in the twenty-seventh year of his age End of section 74. Recording by Colleen McMahon.